shape Brent with you. He had the strength to be honest. Courage and strength is something that issues in our life causes us not to face. There are people who will say they're very mature, but they don't have courage and strength. They can't. They can't be honest about pulling back. They can't be honest about pulling away. They can't be honest about being self-centered. They can't be honest about selling out to themselves. And I so appreciate the courage He showed and the strength. And you're going to get an opportunity to hear some others who are going to share with you. You see, connection has made Celebrate Recovery possible here. Another church tried it years ago. And they couldn't maintain it. We're moving into four, four and a half years. Connection has made it possible. Celebrate recovery is always a struggle because people come. And after they experience the first week, often, matter of fact, when we, I first started taking people, we'd drive to Harrisburg, we'd leave at around 5.15 and we'd get home about 11 o'clock at night because of the drive. So that's close to Celebrate Recovery experience. Some of those people would share. The next week they'd get in the van or get in the car with me. They'd say, man, I don't know what I'm going to share. Because they heard people who, who had the courage and the strength to be real. And they could identify. But connection has made that possible. And we want to make another step now. We think we're ready. And we have developed a team. And we want to send that team before we sent people to California. And we have learned a lot during these four years. Now we're sending a team ready to make another step. And the closest summit is in Florida. And we want to send them to Florida. And if you have your worship handout, in here is an article on the center page at the very top. It's going to cost $5,000 to send those people. And we can say, we're sending them to Florida and we're going to pay $5,000. Why don't they pay it? They're taking off from work. They're taking off a week. And they're going to go down there. Matter of fact, if you could afford that money, you could talk to me and you could go with them. Because it is a tremendous experience. Many people have went to a summit for the first time and they began dealing with their issues. Because you will hear people who will talk with courage and strength. Many of us deny it. Many of us deny going to that computer and looking at that material. Many of us deny sneaking off to that substance. Many of us deny the escape into our work. Many of us deny moving out into some pleasure activity because we can't stand our family. We can't stand the pressure. Many of us deny that the money's out of control because it's an issue in our life. Many of us deny the anger that's in our life and we just try to keep it suppressed and it boils and boils and boils. And connection has made possible for Celebrate Recovery to be here. We need to take that next step. Right now, we've promoted this for a month. We have $290 given to send these people. $5,000 is not easy. And you may say, well, I don't have those difficult issues. Then I'm going to tell you why. You probably handle your finances well. And you can help others. 
We've got $1,500 this morning. I looked, $1,500 in our bank account. Now please, connection does not move in the red. The lead team won't allow it. Okay? We're going to start another church plant probably in two years. If you ever picked up a budget, a budget moves toward that. So I'm not telling you connection is in trouble. But there's not $5,000. And so we've got to be the people to give this. Laura, Mike, you. And so I'm asking you to think about this. Whether you will ever be in Celebrate Recovery, you will touch a life. There are many people, we could name them by name, whose lives have been transformed in regard to issues. And Connection has a chance to help move that on. And so I ask you to make that possible. Now I want to move off of that. And I want to say this. We have started our first church plant. We have started at 4.30. An afternoon church plant. Our target group are those people who either can't come in the morning because they work, or because they like to sleep in and they're deadheads in the morning. And the afternoon's the best time to come. We have learned this from Hillsong in London. We have picked that up because people who know us have been there and they told me about this. And so we have created this for that purpose. We will have 20 to 25 people who are not in here, in here tonight. Just stop and think if we put those 25 people in this place. You see, we already are showing an impact. I shared, what, two weeks, three weeks ago? We had more people on an... And that doesn't include the band. The band leaves. The band all comes, basically, almost. And they'll play again. And they leave. And I shared two or three weeks ago, we had more than we had at the airport on that Sunday evening. It's going to be, take time. Because I started it a little bit too soon. And you're going to be reading about that if you get the community email. And if you don't get the community email and you want it, you need to fill out a connection card and give me your email address. Because I'm going to explain more about a church plant. Because you see, the lead team is going to be talking about, we're going to start another one. And that will probably be a year and a half, two years. That takes that long to do it. I should have took a little bit longer to do the 430. And so I'll share some of that. You see, connection is a growing church. Somebody who doesn't understand that won't see that. And we are going to continue that being a part of our DNA. And I want to thank you. This is where I want to get. I want to thank you. I want to thank the people who have made Connection possible. You know, I don't have to get up here and I don't have to say, thank you, Frankie. Thank you, Wally. Thank you, Sherry. I've told myself, in, in the traditional church, I always had to recognize individuals because they wanted the recognition. Connection is not about us. It's not about getting the recognition. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him getting the recognition. And so I say thank you. I say thank you to people who make it possible for us to have clean bathrooms. I say thank you to people who make it possible for us to have security. I say thank you to people who make it possible for us to have greeters. I say thank you to people who make it possible for us to, to when people first come on our parking lot, there's somebody out there to meet them. I say thank you to those who, who make popcorn possible. Refreshments, refreshments possible. You see, we're a team. And a team makes a mistake. A baseball team makes a mistake if it keeps saying the pitcher or the shortstop or the second baseman or the center fielder is the most important person. They all play key parts. But you see, it's the team. 
It's the team. And I'm going to tell you, if you're disconnecting with connection, it's because you stopped being a part of the team. That's what it is. But I'm so thankful to pastor a church that's a team. And I don't have to get up here. And I don't have to call out names of individuals. But I can see people together. And if connection is going to move on, and it is within the will of God that we do, but it is the choice He gives you and I, because He gives it to every one of these churches, and many of these churches are not accepting the will of God. And they are moving just inside themselves. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But that's not connection. You, you can look over our property and you can see how well it's kept. That's the team. That's the team. You can park your cars and they're in order. That's the team. And when it snows, we try to make sure all the cars get in the lot. That's the team. That's what we are, folks. You have to understand that if you're going to understand the sermon I'm going to share with you in a little bit. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that connection is a team. It's not all about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. So with that, I'd like you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Back part of your Bibles. If you're not familiar, that's okay. This is how you get familiar. Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Third chapter. John, the third chapter. Back part. No, don't show it yet, please. I want to talk yet. Thank you. Okay? Third chapter. We're going to look at that in a little bit. Okay? Before we do, I want to call attention to two other things. There's a scavenger hunt next Saturday. If you're interested, that's for you. If you're not, okay. You might be surprised how much fun you're going to have. But there's a scavenger hunt. Okay, next Saturday. And so if you want to come to that, you need to pay attention to that. There's forms on the table. And then, at the bottom of the page with the sermon notes, there's a baby dedication. Really, it's a baby parent church dedication that will take place on June 15th. That's two weeks. I want to call attention to that because if you have a child, we haven't done this for a few years, so your child may be older than just a baby. But if you, haven't, if you want to be involved with this, you need to read that and let me know. What I will do, it will be at the very beginning of the service. We'll probably, if, if very many parents say they want to be a part, we'll probably move that front row. Okay? Because we'll need the room. And I'll invite the parents to come with the child. And I will, if I can, I will hold that child or put my hand, arm on that child's shoulder. I will say a little bit about that child based upon what information I get. And then I'm going to pray for that child. I'm going to pray for that parent or parents. And I'm going to pray that this church realizes the commitment we're making to that family. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do in the sense of some special relationship with God. It's what I want us to understand. That when a family, when a child comes in here, I don't care how that child comes into this world, but when God gives that life, that life becomes our responsibility as a team. Parent or parents and church. And you've been a part of this. It's always a good time. But it will be the first thing. If you guys who, who stay out there and keep jawing with each other, keep, I don't know why you do that, 
but you keep jawing with each other, you'll miss it. Because it's going to be the first thing we do. Only because I don't know how many we'll have, and so it tells me what's going to happen in my time frame later in the service when I preach. That morning, that morning I'm going to share a sermon. I'm going to share a sermon that I believe, I believe what I'm going to share from God's Word is why most families are having trouble with their children. And if it's not understood by parents when your child's two, three, four, and into the fifth year, then your child is going to run into trouble. And I'll pull that out of God's Word. I've practiced in my life with my kids, four kids. I encourage people who come to me and ask me when they talk about their children. But I believe it must be communicated. Two years old, three years old, four years old, and in that fifth year. And so, I encourage you to come and be a part of that. But that's June 15th. And if parents, if you want to be a part of the dedication part with your child, whether your child's five, never been a part of this, that's okay. We want to join with you in that dedication. Right now, let me pray. Would you bow together with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for what is going to take place right now. Gee, God, I thank you for what's already taken place. Man, Father, I thank you for the power of the band the words of the songs. I thank You for Brent. I thank You for that humorous understanding of, of what taking face down or communion is all about. And I thank You now for Your Word. And God, I ask You to help us in the next few minutes. Help us to understand more clearly what we're doing today to understand more clearly about what we're doing today. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Depending upon what survey you read, okay, this is what we're told about churches in America. Only 11% of the churches in America are growing. 89% of the churches in America are plateaued, they're just static, or they're dying. That's what's happening in America. And so, what I want to talk about is what's the big difference? Why are some churches growing and some churches not growing? What is it that makes the difference that one grows and one doesn't grow? My simple answer is that people in a growing church get it. People in a not growing church, they don't get it. Now listen. You can go to a metropolitan area where there are a surplus of people and a church can look like it's growing. I remember when I took my family to a church in Memphis. If I named the church and the pastor, many of you would know it. The man's dead. They still put him on TV. Because traditional people just follow Him. And they had their attendance record for years. And my, fra- my youngest daughter, freshman high school, said, Dad, this church hasn't grown for years. And yet the worship center was just full of thousands of people. You see, growth can look like it's there when you in a metropolitan area. But growth is when you're touching people. When transformation is taking place. And people in a growing church get that. 
And people in a non-growing church don't get it. People in a growing church understand God's big picture. Now let me say something about God's big picture in my words. God's big picture is not to control me. God's big picture is not to control you. God's big picture is not to give you a bunch of instructions. God's big picture is to help you. God's big picture is to help me. People in a growing church understand that. You see, some people go to church and they go to get. They go to get whatever they can get for themselves. God's big picture is that we enter a relationship with Him. That begins to change our focus from inward to outward. People in a growing church begin to understand that. That God has showed us how He gives for the purpose that we receive. People in a growing church are to give themselves so others receive. Now let me tell you something. If you're not part of the team, you make your decisions based upon what you're going to do, based upon what you're going to receive. And you show up when you think you can receive. And you don't show up when it's going to take something from you. That's just how it is. Now look with me at this verse. Let's put John 3.16 on the, on the board. Many of you can quote this, though you may not be able to quote this because it's New Living Translation. And you learned it maybe out of King James or the New International Version. But look what it says. It's, it's the verse that gives us God's vision. His big picture. It says, For God loved the world so much. Now let me stop for a minute. God didn't have to. God didn't have to create us because He needed us. God created us because He wanted us to experience what He has experienced for all eternity. You see, God is the Godhead. When the Bible says God, it's talking about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Been in existence for all eternity. Three persons described as God. If you don't understand that, look for a connect group. Because the connect groups are going to talk this week about the Godhead. But the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit for all eternity had experienced what you and I want. What every husband and wife wants. What every parent with a child wants. What people wish they would get at work. What you look for when you go out in the wilderness hunting for deers. That sense of unity and peace and contentment. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit has known it for all eternity. And so what happened? Our revelation in Genesis is they say, let's create man in our image. Let's create them to experience this. And even when we blew it and we sinned, God, and I don't have time to explain, God pulled us back into that relationship with Adam and Eve. You see, God didn't have to love us. God wanted to love us. For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son you see, because God loved us, He gave. And He gave something very special. Would you give your only child? Absolutely not, you would say. The Father in eternity before our existence decided with the Holy Spirit and the Son, we're going to go down there because we're going to create those people. Before creation, the Bible said, God knew we were going to sin. And so they decided. The son said, I'll go. I'll go. And the father says, okay. The Godhead says, okay. See, that's beyond me. Because God is beyond me. But God loves. And so God gave. And He didn't just give something that was easy. 
He gave His one and only Son. Now look, it goes on. So that, why did God do this? So that everyone who believes in Him. You see, we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. Some of you, some of you don't. And you know that. Because push to shove, you know who the Lord of your life is. You do. Your family knows who the Lord of your life is. The people close to you know who the Lord of your life is. But it says, so everyone who believes in Him, we believe in Jesus. He is Lord of our life. Does that mean we're perfect? Does that mean we don't sin? We're not perfect and we do sin. But when we believe in Him, we know what He says. We confess our sins and He forgives us. You see, God loves. Because He loves, now listen, God gave. That's what love always does. I love Laura. Then I will give. God gave. God loves. God gave. We believe. And look how the verse comes to the conclusion. Everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. We receive. Not God. We. That's God's big picture. God's big picture isn't control me. God's big picture isn't to give me a bunch of instructions. God's big picture is that I will receive a relationship with Him. That's what it means when you read eternal life or everlasting life or not perish. I'm sorry. I apologize for church pastors. I apologize for years of me that all we've told people is you need to receive Jesus and get out of jail. Get out of hell. Jesus came so we could live in relationship with God here. Going to heaven is just a byproduct of that because eternity will go on. And we will be a part of that with God. But God loved us and because He loved us, He gave. And we are to believe. And when we believe, we receive a relationship with God. And Satan wants to tell you you don't deserve that relationship. Satan wants to tell you you're too bad to have that relationship. Satan wants to, say, wants to tell you you've fallen away and so God doesn't love you. But that's not what we read here. You received a relationship with God. With the Father. With the Son. And the Holy Spirit. All three of them in you. Working in you. Loving you. Caring about you. That's God's big picture. That's all God has tried to communicate from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. I'm afraid we mess it up. We make it too complicated. In my 20s, I began saying to people, because I worked with a lot of young soldiers and a lot of young college kids, and then youth eventually in church, and I often would say, we make God more difficult than He is. We make Him more difficult than He is. Because we get into this control and this instruction, and you better... I just want you to know, God's big picture is he, he loves and He gave. And our part of that big picture is we believe and we receive. It's a big picture. And yet it's a simple picture if you'll come to understand it. So let me start processing it down to us now. See, because I'm not God. Neither are you. I'm human. I have to relate to my wife. I have to relate to my neighbor. I have to relate to the people out here who, who do not know God. So if you have your worship hand out, I want you to look at the first blank. This is what God wants of us. Let's go to the next one. God wants us to have a relationship with Him. 
That's what God wants in the big picture. If you don't have a relationship with Him, I invite you to do that. Turn to God. Tell Him you're sorry for your sins. Tell Him you believe in Jesus Christ, the One who died on the cross for you, who shed His body and His blood for you. And you want Him to be Lord of your life. Enter that relationship with God. See, God never made it hard. God didn't say you go to church 52 weeks. God didn't say you learn 10 verses. God didn't say you do 100 good deeds. God says you just turn by faith to Jesus Christ. That's too easy for us. That's why people say it's too easy. God never made it difficult. So within God's big picture, He wants us to have a relationship with Him. Now listen, many of you have that relationship. So look at the second blank. God wants us to help others have a relationship with Him. That's what God wants. You see, me coming today isn't all about me. I know I'm the pastor. It really not. Some of you know, I don't share some things up here about me because I don't want to make it about me. It's about Jesus. And I want others to come into a relationship with Him. Whenever I do whatever I do, a connection, it's not about me. It's not so I can say i got the cleanest church or i got the neatest church or i got a fine church or i got a growing church. It's all about when somebody else comes that I can help them have a relationship with Jesus. That's what God wants. That's the big picture. Growing churches understand that. Not growing churches don't. Team understands that. If you don't understand that, you've lost your place on the team. Guess what? Join back with the team. Because that's what God wants. He wants you and I to have a relationship with Him. And He wants you and I to help others have a relationship with Him. That's God's agenda. That's His only agenda. That's His only agenda. That we would have a relationship with Him and we would help others have a relationship with Him. If I had the time, I could take you through the Old Testament. That's what He wanted with the Hebrew people. But they always started putting it inside themselves. It was all about their family, their temple, their blessings. And if we're not careful, we do that in the church. It's all about what I want. It's all about what helps me. It's all about what makes me feel good. And we become slaves. Listen, we become slaves to our preference instead of the servants of Jesus Christ to the needs of a fallen world. When people in the church get in on God's agenda, I'm going to tell you what happens. Amazing things. Amazing things happen in the body. An amazing thing happens in individuals. Transformation takes part, takes place. Families begin to feel an impact. That's why some of you, when you became part of the team, you felt the impact in your family. But something happened. Work got tough. Finances got hard. You, you escaped for a while into some pleasure, some activity. And all of a sudden, you don't feel as close. And the family isn't as close. Husband, hassling with wife. Wife, hassling with husband. Children with parents. Well, can't get over children hassling with parents. That's going to happen. It's just how parents handle it. But you see, what happened is, God let you experience the transformation He can bring, but you pulled away. You see, when we get God's big picture, when we understand His agenda, it, has, it does amazing things with our church body, but also with us as individuals. God loves us. And He gives to us. And we've got to believe. 
so that we can receive the relationship with Him. And Satan's going to tell you, here's where you break down. I know. I know God loves and I know Jesus Christ. But you see, this day, my belief's waning. This day, I'm just not so cocky about my belief. I don't feel so good about it. And all of a sudden, listen, you know it's true. You don't feel like you're receiving much from God. You've got to stay attached. You've got to stay connected with God's team. And somebody says, sounds like you just keep pushing the church. Why? It's all the New Testament after the Gospels is about the church. The body. We're not to be lone rangers. We're part of the team. And the main word used four times in the New Testament. The word for church means universal across the world. But all the other times, it means a local body of people called for a purpose to serve Jesus. See, we've got many of those around. Good! Because one church can't fit all sizes. To be a part of God's big picture is to be a part to take a hold of His agenda and become part of the team. And I'm so thankful because I know I'm speaking. If, if, if I counted, there are so many of this congregation that are actively a, part, actively a part of that team of what God is doing. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the first covenant that's normally recognized in theological terms is called the Abrahamic covenant. Okay? It's when God came to Abraham and He says, He was Abram. That was His name. God said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. I, can't t- I don't have time to tell you the whole story. Some of you know the story, but get this. He comes to Abraham and He said, Abram, and he said I'm going to change your name to Abraham and I want you to understand. I'm going to bless you. I love you and I'm going to give. And if you will accept the covenant... Listen, if you accept the covenant, you're going to receive. Now listen, and when you receive, I want you to understand, I'm going to bless people through you. I'm going to bless people through you. That's my intention. Now the Hebrew people forgot that. They saw it as we are God's people. God loves us. Okay? God gives to us this covenant. Follow through with Moses and I go on. We believe it. And we receive this relationship with God, but they forgot. It is to become a blessing to the world that God created. The humans that God created. You see, the Old Testament, first covenant, is not about them. It's about the people they are to touch. And that's what you and I are to be involved with. The people God wants us to be involved with. And that's a choice you have to make, you see. And I'm going to tell you, Life's conflicts will try to pull you away from that commitment. Life's responsibilities will try to tell you, no, don't give too much of yourself. Learn to say no. The sad thing is, most of us know how to say no to God, but not how to say no to the world. Most of us know how to say no to God, but not how to say no to demands that we Choose ourselves to place on ourselves. God's big picture is for us to have a relationship with Him and to help others have a relationship with Him. 
If you understand that, then I'm going to tell you, your life is about helping others come into that relationship. Now, we're going to take what we call face down in a little bit. It's called communion by many people. Some people call it the Lord's Supper. Some people call it Eucharist. And it's all about the big picture. That's what it is. Now, I want you to listen because I'm going to try to help you understand how the Old Testament big picture of God choosing those Hebrew people moves into the big picture for people who say they're followers of Jesus. So, you're in the book of John. If you just go to the left, two books, to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, to the, the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter, the 17th verse. This is when Jesus began what we call, and, and I've just named it face down because I don't want us to come in here and attach it and go through it and not realize we are to be serious before God. Again, somebody asked when we had our first face down, is Mike going to ask us to lay face down on the floor? They asked somebody and that person called me and I said, no. And if you, if you read in the, in, in the community email, I try to explain face down. And every so often I put that article either in the worship handout, if there's room, or in the community email. It's just because we see when the people of the Old Testament came into God's presence, they fell face down. And, and taking these elements is a very, very special thing according to our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want us to have that attitude instead of let's do it and then get out of here. That's why I ask you to be actively doing it instead of somebody giving it to you in a sense. I ask you to get up and do it. I want you actively involved in what we will do. But let's look at this. Matthew describes the first communion with the words of Jesus. Or he tells us. Look at there in the 17th verse. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, that's a Jewish custom, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? So the beginning of taking the elements comes out of the Passover meal. The festival, the unleavened bread, don't you want to take time for that? Okay? But the Passover meal, okay? The big picture with Passover is this. God loved the Hebrew people. Okay? When they were in, in captivity to their world in Egypt, God loved them and He heard their prayers. And he heard their cries because the conflict in their life was so bad. I could describe that to you. And it was really daily conflict they were experiencing. See, we think, oh, they're just prisoners of Egyptians. And if you go over this too fast, and we do that with the Bible, we just think, well, God delivered them from Egypt. Their conflict was daily. Their task was unbearable daily. It was hard to manage their families. It was hard to manage their energy. It was hard to manage their time. But you see, God loves. God loves. So what did a God who loved do? Remember that John 3.16? Because it's Old Testament too. So what God did, God gave them a Word. And this is the Word. Totally makes no sense to the world. It made no sense if I took you back to the historical experience, the setting in Egypt, made no sense to the people there around. Probably didn't make any sense to some of the Hebrews so probably some of them didn't even do it. But God loved, so God gave. He gave them a word, and this is a word. I hear your prayers. 
I see your conflict. You and I are to be in relationship. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you, take a lamb. You kill the lamb, you prepare a meal. Now listen, you'll have some bread with that lamb. Don't want you to put any yeast in that bread. That's unleavened bread. Because you're not going to have time for that yeast to rise. And you bake that so it's going to be hard and crusty. But what I want you to do with that lamb, and this is what was totally, didn't make a bit of sense to the world. I want you to take a blood, I want you to drain the blood from the lamb first before you cook it. Then you're going to eat it, you're going to eat the bread, but I want you to take a brush, I want you to take the blood of the lamb and I want you to put it on your doorpost. Because tonight I'm going to come through and I'm going to see who. Now listen, God loves, God gave a word, they were to believe. God says, I'm going to see who believes. And who believes will receive deliverance. This bondage will pass. This conflict you can move out of. Can you understand what I'm trying to tell you? We get it in John 3.16. Jesus was illustrated there in Passover. God loves, so God gives. They have to believe, they will receive. They didn't understand it all. There's no way. If you and I would have been there, we'd understand it. Our children would say, Daddy, why are you putting the blood on the... Why are you doing it that way, Daddy? That's the way God says. Some of your children say, I don't want to go to church. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk about June 15th. If you don't get it down, when your children get to be first or second or third graders, they're going to convince you not to come on a regular basis. Okay? They'll convince you. If you don't get it in their life when they're four and five, it'll be too hard to come to church. And so they won't convince you. You'll just say it's too much of a struggle to get there on Sunday morning. That's why we do the 4.30. You could bring them when we get our children's program all built up. But you see, it's all about seeing God's love, hearing what He says, because He gives us something, believing it and responding. They couldn't understood this big picture back there in Egypt, but God did. And I don't understand all of God's big picture in all our lives, but He does. To ignore the Passover for them would have been showing disrespect to God. No, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Putting blood on my doorpost. I'm not going to do that. Most ridiculous thing I ever heard. No way. To disregard what God gave them would just show they're ignoring God Himself. And it would be that they could not receive what God had for them. Now let's go on to the 18th verse. Or I'm sorry, let's jump down to 26th. Because it just talks about some conversation with them. So Jesus says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. I'm sorry, Matthew's recording. He says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Now why do we use bread? We're going to use bread in a little bit. Why do we use it? Because that's what Jesus used. Okay? He used bread. Bread illustrates what we learned from the Passover. They were doing the Passover right there. Okay? They were remembering how they were going to leave Egypt quickly. God was going to do it in their life. You know, when you come to Jesus, listen to me, it doesn't happen over a week or a month or a year that you become a Christian. When you become a follower of Jesus, it happens instantaneous when you trust Him as Lord. And when they were delivered from Egypt, they laughed after this. They laughed. Okay? And so, they're going to have the bread, and then He broke it, 
in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, now look what he says. Now here, take, take this and eat it for this is my body. See, some of you maybe have never witnessed, hard to believe that, but we're always trying to track people that either got out of the church or not been into church, never witnessed somebody doing what we're going to do with their bread today. Why do they do that? Because Jesus says this bread, this bread becomes a symbol of my body. I will pick the bread today. Okay? Not because I'm sinless or I feel good, because I'm going to remember what Jesus has done for me. Okay? And when I do, I'm going to remember the body it was given for me. The bread is my physical thing to remind me of what I didn't see personally, but I know personally about. Jesus' body hung on the cross. 27 says, and He took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. Now look, Jesus said, for you see the wine, for this is My blood, which confirms a covenant between God and His people. There's the relationship. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Jesus said, I want you to understand, their day, Hebrew people, drink the wine, okay? It's a clean drink. Water wasn't so clean. Don't have time to explain that. Don't even have time to explain their kind of wine to our kind of wine, okay? Uh, but anyway, so he takes that drink, and he says, now I want you to understand, this drink represents my blood. So we're going to have a cup. And I'm going to dip my bread in the cup. That's how we're going to do it. And that bread represents the body of Jesus hung on a cross. And that red color, somebody says, is it wine? No. Now let me tell you why I don't want to use wine. Because you see, I've known too many people who are alcoholics. I praise God. One of my best friends in Harrisburg was, was a, a functioning alcoholic that would brawl with people. And he came to Christ and he moved from that. And I wouldn't want to trigger him tasting that wine and trigger his addiction. You understand what I'm saying? And so we use grape juice. Now, some people say, oh man, they're being silly. Bible doesn't say you can't drink. Okay? Bible says if you let drink control you, that it intoxicates you, it's a sin. Okay? So I'm not standing up here telling you I got opposition to wine. I'm just not going to trigger anybody. So we dip it in the grape juice, and so the bread reminds me of the body of Jesus, and the purple or red color of that wine. I hope nobody buys white wine some, some Sunday. That was to be funny, okay? The color of that wine reminds me of the blood, and I'm telling you folks, I think about what Jesus has done for me again. I think about what He has done for me. You see, that's what God wants us to do. Because He wants us to move, listen, from the big picture of the Old Testament and the Passover deliverance to seeing the deliverance He offers to us today through Jesus. Because your life is as much in conflict as those Hebrew people's lives were. And some of you are crying out because things have been done that you don't deserve to have done to you. And you have tried to be as true as you can and somebody else has inflicted pain into your life. Or maybe you've made wrong choices and you've inflicted pain. And our God wants you to understand that He loves you so much that He gave. 
His only begotten Son, Jesus, is one and only. That if you will trust Him, believe Him, big word believe, He will give you a relationship with Him even in the midst of that conflict that's happening. Look at the last blank on the worship handout. The last blank. The big picture in the New Testament is Jesus. It's not Passover. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus loves us. He didn't have to. Now listen, He's part of the Godhead. The Bible says, listen to me, in John the first chapter, it says, in the beginning was a Word, and the Word was with God. And then it says, the Word was involved in creating. Everything has been created. And in the 14th verse it says, the Word became flesh. You see, the Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit always existed. The three persons of the Godhead. Come to Connect Group this week. Find out a little about that. And Jesus loved us that in creating us, listen, Jesus loved us, He gave Himself. Father, that day's coming. I'll go to the cross. God knew in His own plan when Jesus was going to come. I could tell you about the world and why it was the right time. Father, I'm going to go and I'm going to die for Mike Davis. I'm going to give my life for whatever Your name is. Everyone. See? Jesus loves. Jesus gave. I believe. The conflicts in this world challenges my belief from time to time. Why does this happen to me? Why God? How come? Why did my child act that way? Why did my mate do that to me? Or, or why did this person get disloyal? Why did that person steal that money from me? Why God does this happen to me? See, my belief is always challenged because that's where Satan attacks. That's why we've got to be around the body. We need the encouragement. We believe. I believe. I receive the relationship. That's what Jesus does. And in a missional church, now listen to me, in a missional church, the people understand, if I have that relationship with Jesus Christ, He wants me to help others have that relationship with Him. And so now church isn't all about my song, my music, my dress, the way I think people ought to be. It's all about me identifying with folks who do not have a relationship with Jesus so that they can come into that relationship. That's what the elements are all about. That's what they're all about. When you take that bread with that, with that grape juice on it, it is saying, I understand how much you love Jesus and how much you gave. And I believe that. And I receive that. And I'm going to be part of the big picture. And I'm going to love. And I'm going to give that somebody else might believe and someone else might receive. And you see... We've taught for years. That means you've got to explain the Gospel. You've got to be able to teach the Bible. No. That means when that person comes, because I'm going to tell you what, somebody comes sometime during the month that would identify with you that won't identify with me. And it's you taking time to give yourself to them instead of just coming and sitting down and waiting to get. It's you finding those people God brings. And it'll move from beyond this and it'll move out into our world if we're truly missional. I could tell you, I could tell you stories that people told me how what they have learned 
through this missional experience connection, is now moving into their workplace. Because that's what it does. When you learn to live and love like Jesus, and it's about helping others have a relationship, all of a sudden, amazing things happen. And if you're not experiencing that, just get involved with the team here, because this is the easiest place to start. And let God begin to move it out into your world. We're going to take the elements this morning. I like those who are going to serve the elements to take your position. I've explained the bread and the juice, what you are to do. You are to come. There, there's going to be three places. Going to be, you can take it here. You can take it there. You can take it there. Some, if you want to take it twice, can take it twice or three times. No. Okay? Because that way we won't be real long. Okay? But you come and you just pull a piece of bread off. You just dip it in the juice. You either eat it here, take it back to your seat, but you meditate. You meditate on what Jesus has done for you. Okay? It's all between you and Him now. I invite you, this is to be a family experience. This is to be people who know Jesus Christ as Lord. If He's Lord of your life, I invite you to take the elements. Not because you are not got sin in your life, not because today you feel so good about your Christian life. But take it because Jesus gave His body and blood for you. And today, get a glimpse again of how much He loves you. And so I invite you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you feel comfortable, if you don't, it's okay. You just sit there and watch the others. But you take the elements. You come when you're ready.